As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We got a busy, busy man on with us today, David Ubbin. He just sold his house, but he's also been <laughs> writing a billion different stories, all of which, like every story you've written in the past week, David, I wanted to do an entire show about. So I, I, I apologize because we're squeezing a lot of this into one spot, but we've got your your story on the, the horror stories from coaches in home visits while they're recruiting. We've got your Arkansas wayward program story, which has some crazy stuff from Frank Broyles that he said on the radio that this just sort of got lost to the sands of time. That there, there's so many pre pre aggregation, pre aggregation is a big part of it. Yes, so many alternate histories of of different leagues that you could write with all this, and then you've got a piece out Wednesday on the Athletic on the SEC shorts folks who are some of the funniest people in America. Uh, we will play you a clip of my favorite SEC shorts. But if you haven't been to their their YouTube page, you don't have to be a uh, an SEC fan to enjoy them. In fact, you may enjoy them more just giving <laughs> you the opportunity to laugh at all the SEC fans. So uh, it is uh, it, it is spectacular. But you you you've been on a on a heater, as they say. If you were playing in an NBA Jam, you would be on fire. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I must say, uh, we just so I played a lot of NBA Jam actually in high school and college. Uh, a hack for all you folks out there: if you goaltend and get your teammate on fire, you can have endless fire. If you score when you're not on fire, and then you're still allowed to goaltend, and you can just beat people by like fifty points. Wow, that is you're amazing. Welcome. That's you're welcome, that's like, everyone. <laughs> that's like Tom Chambers in Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs. That was the first one of those games. And they they messed up when they programmed Tom Chambers' signature move because they gave him a double pump dunk, which he could do <laughs> from any position inside the three-point line Pretty from much. a standstill. And they didn't put a sound on it because all the other signature moves had a sound, which meant the sound was either the, the rim being pulled down and you dunk or the ball bouncing away because you bricked it. And there was no sound on the Chambers one, so he always made it. It was it, it was amazing. So endless fire is an amazing it's an amazing NBA Jam hack. And I was a big uh, Kemp Shrimp guy, uh, oh. Parks, Parks and Recreation star Detlef Shrimp, and uh, uh, infinite. Sean Kemp, I, I would argue man. that Sean Kemp, the Rain Man, one of the most uh, him and Dominique Wilkins, I feel like their their dunks have been lost Powerful. to time. Yes, in that folks, you know, over thirty might respect them, but I feel like the young NBA folks do not respect Dominique Wilkins or Sean Kemp as much as they should. Go watch your NBA superstars VHS tapes, guys, because I had all of them, and I think I've seen them 150 times each. (laughs) Dominique and Sean were what we call two-foot leapers. If you watch the early dunk contest, they would would differentiate between the one-foot leapers and the two-foot leapers (laughs) pretty frequently, and Dominique was the the prime example of the two-foot leaper, and it looked like he was mad at the basket. Camp, one of the most powerful dunkers. I would argue 
maybe other than maybe other than Shaq, maybe as hard of a dunker as the NBA has seen. Right, and Shaq was three hundred thirty pounds. Sean Kemp. <laughs> now I know he put on weight later. He was, was probably three thirty at the end of his career, but yeah, yeah. and his peak he was probably two hundred, maybe two. Yeah, he was He's just he was ripped, man. Yeah, so young young Kemp. Anyway, this is not an NBA podcast, Andy. But well, a 90s let's, NBA podcast. let's actually start around not necessarily a little bit before NBA Jam debuted. Yes. Let's start. I want to start with Arkansas because you and I had had this episode last year where you said, you know, you wrote, wrote a column saying, you know, Arkansas's issues are that it's probably in the wrong league. It's cast the wrong way. It doesn't have natural rivals. Now, this was before Texas decided to join the SEC, mm-hmm. but you went back and, and we're doing a story on, on kind of where Arkansas got off track and talked to our friend Bo Mattingly. And Bo is a, was a sports talk host in Arkansas. Now he, he makes documentary films about college football. But what, what did Bo tell you? Uh, you know, I think I wanted to talk to people who have been had their, as I like to say, nose pressed up against the glass for decades. And Bo obviously qualifies there. Uh, I talked to, to Clay Henry as well, um, the great Orville Henry's son. But Bo sort of talked about, you know, some of the same things that 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 he remembered talking to Frank Broyles about. I mean, gosh, you know, this was 15 years ago. You know, this is uh, a very different age where. People could just say some wild stuff on the radio, and if you weren't tuned in, you'd never hear it. And so I lived in Arkansas for 15-something years. I grew up there. I'd never heard this before. At the time he said this, I would have been in college, so I wouldn't have probably had an opportunity to listen to it. But I've never heard people talk about this stuff, and, and, and to be able to include it in the story was extremely valuable. So props to to Bo for, for passing that along because – I listen. I I know Arkansas football. I've paid attention to this. I'm fascinated by realignment. I'm fascinated by Arkansas's position in the world. I did not know most of the stuff in this, and I'm figuring if I don't know this, I'm betting most people don't. And I think, yeah. based on the reaction to the story, uh, my instincts were correct. Well, I had talked to Frank Broyles for a realignment story. This is back when I worked for the Tampa Tribune, and so this would have been early 2000s. So this would have been mm-hmm. a little bit before uh, these clips that that we got from Bo, but he had told me a little bit about going in secret to meet with some folks from the sec, but he didn't get this, this far into it. Like, all right, here, here's Frank Broyles about Arkansas and the big 12, because you know, the assumption is Arkansas moving to the sec precipitated the breakup of the Southwest conference. Well, it sounds like it was breaking up anyway and Arkansas was was looking for a lifeboat. So here's Frank Broyles with Bo Mattingly years and years ago about that. We wouldn't be in the Big 12. I've been told emphatically by the, the leaders of the, of the South old Southwest Conference and the, and the Big 8 before it was being the Big 12, well, we would not have been invited to be in the Big 12. We would not, we would not, we would not, we would not have been invited to be a member of the Big 12 had we waited. We would have been an independent in the USA Conference or something like that because we would not have a chance to be in that conference. I've been told that over and over again again by the leaders of both of those conferences how about that? I mean, that's wild right by the way andy we in the, the south needs some more foghorn leghorns i miss oh, just the old the old frank guy Broyles inflection it's incredible classic <laughs> well and and that's why frank Broyles was a a color commentator mm-hmm. on football games while he was arkansas's ad <laughs> <laughs> what a time yeah, sure. that would but people would be losing their minds about that yeah shortly that. after he finished coaching he was on games <laughs> big games like i think it was abc he was working, yeah he was working the abc primetime games uh, i believe uh this is before my day but it was him and it was him and keith jackson wasn't it at one point i believe so yeah yeah that's that's a couple accents right there yeah so, for real <laughs> so but that's i mean that's an emphatic frank Broyles, and i i think you and I got into this last year when we talked about the passion of the Arkansas fans. It, mm-hmm. If you haven't been there, if you haven't been around them, you, you may not understand just how deep this goes. That these guys, we talk about Tennessee fans a lot, and you you live in Knoxville now, so you understand where they're coming. But I I, I don't think Arkansas fans are that different. I, I think they're yeah. just as crazy about their school as Tennessee fans are about theirs. Well, I talked to Houston Nut. Um about this and then he mentioned that one of the things that coach Broyles always used to tell him 
is when he got to when he got to Arkansas, he was always really impressed that everywhere you go, the barbershop, the diner, the wherever you're going, you're going to see Arkansas signs up in the just because mm-hmm. that's what they care about. It is an obsession. Everyone in the state cares about the Hogs, watches the Hogs. It doesn't matter if you're a sports fan or not. When the Hogs have a big moment, everybody's paying attention. Um, and that is just something cultural that grips a state that just does not exist in a lot of other places, in part because there's no pro sports, but in part that name across the chest means something. Like you are representing the entire state and people feel that and people's identity is tied up in that. And I think you see that um, you know, in a place like Tennessee where there's only really one dominant program, in a place like Arkansas where there's only really one dominant major program. Um, and those places – you know, there's not a Mississippi state. There's not an Auburn where there's split loyalties. It's everyone right. pulling in the same direction. Uh, well, sometimes <laughs> yeah, right. uh, people Ideally. do a lot involved, the fans anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it, that is very unique. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, unique to the South um, in a place that there is one program in a variety of sports that everyone cares about from the diehards to the culturals to the casuals. And, when they play a big game, it's literally all anyone's talking about in church the next morning. That is it. Uh, yeah. What do you think of that well, game yesterday? And and interesting to hear Frank Broyle say that because I, I think it's always been assumed that Arkansas had a choice, mm-hmm. that they could have moved on with the other members of the Southwest Conference, the ones that were going to the Big 12, which I'm actually a little surprised that the Big 8 and the Big 12 – wouldn't want, but I don't know. It, it's, it's the big eight piece of it's interesting too, because like Arkansas should be a rival of Oklahoma or Oklahoma state and just based not. on geography. Like they should play non-conference games all the time mm-hmm. and really don't and haven't. So mm-hmm. like that, it, it is strange that, that they would not have been invited, but then you think of, okay, maybe it was blocking them out essentially because they don't want that. You know, state. Yeah, I think the idea. To... I think the idea. You know, I, I wouldn't call myself a historian on the creation of the Big Twelve. Obviously, I covered the league for a long time, but exactly, you know, it makes sense that you'd have the four Texas schools: Texas Tech, Texas A and M, Texas, and Texas. Uh, who am I? And forgetting? Baylor. And Baylor, yes, and Richards. Thank you, Ann Richards. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, moving into that, but I could see just politically how it would be very tough in the formation of the big 12 to include Arkansas and not include a TCU or mm-hmm. a Houston or a rice or an SMU. Well, and and, and also out. you, you may have had Oklahoma and Oklahoma state saying we don't want them coming and taking our play. Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fayetteville is what an hour and a half from Tulsa. Like, yeah, you don't I want them to be able to out of there quite a bit when I was a kid. Yeah. You don't want them to be able to roll in and, and grab some of your best players and just, you know, take them out of the state. So that, it makes, when you when you digest it like that, it makes more sense. But there mm-hmm. there was more to that with, with Frank Broyles. And I, I did know this because it, having done a lot on realignment, I, I do know that, that Texas was open to the idea of going to the SEC in that first round. When, when Arkansas went to the SEC, when South Carolina went, Florida State, had turned they turned the SEC down to go to the ACC, uh, but it was Texas was more open to it. Texas became very closed off to the idea of the SEC later, and then obviously came back around. But Frank Royals talked to to Bo about Texas as well, and this is where the alternate histories really spin out. Texas privately, not not openly said, if you would go and join, we will follow you. A&M in Texas was supposed to follow me. No, excuse me. I was supposed had talked about it and were willing to do it and asked me. When I told them I was going to go, and they said, well, we think we can come if you go first. So that's the interesting thing. Now, it we go back to the, the story I wrote in 2014 on championship games. So the original rule for the championship game was written to say that you had to have 14 teams split into two divisions because that was what the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference had. But then another conference co-sponsored the bill with them that only had 12 teams, and they said, can you write 12 instead of 14 on that proposed NCAA rule? (laughs) 
If it had stayed 14, Roy Kramer, who was the commissioner of the SEC when they expanded, would have had to find two more teams. What if what if the four that came weren't just Arkansas and South Carolina? What if it was Arkansas, South Carolina, Texas, and Texas A&M? How different would college football be now? I can't even wrap my head around it. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think it would have definitely benefited Arkansas because you would have had a little bit better chance of maintaining that, that Texas pipeline that was so important to them. I think it would have been, you would have lost some guys because you're not playing basically every road game in Texas, but keeping Texas and Texas A&M, I think is key because those are the teams that that people want to go back and beat. But man, (laughs) what the big eight does, does the big eight splinter, you know, a big eight with, you know, uh, Kansas state and Kansas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, uh, and I guess yeah, Colorado back then. If you adopt, you know, Texas Tech and Baylor and TCU probably would have got in and Houston. That's not a great league, Andy. And maybe Houston and TCU and maybe they look a little different if they're in a. I guess it would have been a major conference. I mean, the Big Eight was rolling at this time because you still had Oklahoma and Nebraska mm-hmm. running things, and, right? And still were very successful. Colorado as well. Don't forget them. They've fallen off in the last few decades, but. Uh, you know, yeah, the they were very good at the time. It won yeah. the national championship in 1990. Let's not forget that. So at that time, it would have been really interesting. I, I don't know where they go, but it, that, it was, that one might about. could. I mean, would the Pac 10 have tried to merge with them? That no, because good I, league. I don't think so. Because I think that would have been, I think they would have been bogged down in the logistics and would not have had the carrot of the massive TV money, to right? Because, right, because TV hasn't changed everything yet yes at, at it's, the time it's this growing is but i still think people yeah. aren't seeing this is early deals. 90s this is six years removed from the the supreme court decision in in nca versus border region Oklahoma. so yeah. it's yeah the money hasn't exploded yet so people aren't thinking in those terms they're really just thinking in terms of scheduling uh this was this was when you had a bunch of big independents you know uh, Penn State was an independent. Miami was an independent. And then you had the smaller independents, South Carolina, Louisville, mm-hmm. who, that they, they played basketball in a conference, but didn't play football in a conference. And so the, the you know, shout out to the old Metro conference in, in hoops, <laughs> which really when when the when South Carolina left to, to go to the SEC and Florida State was an independent in football, played the Metro conference in basketball when they went to the ACC those Metro conference schools then basically became conference USA. So that would have been, yeah, I think the big eight probably would have been considered a self-sustaining entity and maybe picked up some other, other schools because you're right. Probably Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Colorado were plenty enough to float that league as a, as a competitive entity. And I don't know that TCU or Houston or certainly not Rice, maybe SMU. If you know, that's a tough time for SMU. Forget this is post death penalty SMU, where they're in the dregs of you know they shut down their program for a year and everybody left. So I don't know, Andy. It's it is fascinating. I just think you know people wanted. I I think the biggest misnomer is that you know in 2010 people felt like these tectonic plates were shifting and people were like this has never happened before. It's been happening forever. Like. 2010 was the first time in, you know, a decade or two that we had major moves. But even that, what Big East ACC, the Miami stuff, that was what, 2003? 2004? Yeah. It hadn't even been that long. But you just had these big pieces moving around. But big pieces have been shifting for a long time, Andy. And they obviously did it again last summer. Realignment is not not a singular event that happened in 2010. It's something that's been going on for a century. Um, And... uh, Looking back at all that and and where we could have ended up, you know, I really don't know. Is Andy, do we lose the "Is Texas back?" meme, or is it is it pointless if Texas is trying to make make life in the SEC? That's the that, these are the important questions we need to ask. Well, I I, I think this has just become you know, it, everybody thinks every r- round of realignment is the first one that ever happened, <laughs> but this is why I believe when Larry like Larry Scott kept saying. There's more coming. More will come. And, and it's funny because I, I would be like, no, I, I don't I don't know if that's true. I can't imagine like Texas going to the SEC or anything like that. And then they do. So I think we probably need to just expand what we can imagine because the, things may get 
pretty crazy here in the next few years because of all the changes going on in terms of the governance of the sport, NIL, all that other stuff, you may see more of it. Andy, I've said, I I can't remember if we've talked about this. I've talked about this with a few people. If you could bet in the next 20 years, if Oregon and USC will be members of the SEC, would you bet against that? Oregon and USC and the SEC seems a little... Far fetched, little little extreme, David. Well, but Andy, if there's if there's only two leagues that are making so much more money, the Big Ten and the SEC, then I see the Oregon Oregon USC. Maybe the Big Ten. I I think I I, only because like I can see USC wanting to align with the folks in the Big Ten. Oregon, I think, would do whatever. I I I think Oregon would be happy any anyway as long as they're playing big time football. Uh, Washington's another one that I think. Would, would probably want to align with the Big Ten. And that's a big, big brand, big, passionate fan base, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I would think if that was going to happen, that that's who they would align with more likely than the SEC. But logistically, it's a pain in the butt any way you look at it. Mm-hmm. But you've had Dabo say this now. You've had Mike Gundy say this in the past two weeks where they say something's coming. There's a reckoning coming. And... I think what we're seeing with NIL, you know, we, we've said it, but more in terms of pie in the sky, like here's how how things probably should work. It does feel like it's it's more realistic now. The idea of some sort of consolidation into like a top 40 or top 45 situation, whether that's one league, two leagues, three leagues, but that that being a top tier, the top tier shrinking because other schools just can't compete. And you, and you see, like, West Virginia, they're getting sick of losing their best players mm-hmm. to the transfer portal. And is that are they just going to become a farm team? Because I, I don't know if I want to be that if I'm, if I'm their fans. I, I, I mean, I understand their frustration. Well, that's the thing. I've talked to some, some G5 coaches and, and, and even a couple FCS coaches have said this. The smaller schools are, are almost rooting for the breakoff for the reason that you're talking about. Maybe not the administrators and the finances, but the coaches are. The coaches are, like you said, they're tired of becoming a farm system. They already feel like they are because they know, hey, if one of our guys blows up, we're not going to keep him. He's going to want to go to wherever he wants to go at a bigger school um, and experience big-time football, and you lose – the uh you know the Garrett Wolfs of the world or the you know the Jordan Lynches of the world who make a name for themselves and spend four or five years at smaller places and Tuesday night on ESPN you're watching these must see you know matching games or guys in the Sun Belt that tear it up and you know the you just don't see that as much and and uh, I think that 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 specific guy the G five legend that the internet loves and that is must watch TV when the big schools aren't playing. I think that's already dead, Andy. And that does kind of make me sad. I, yeah. I'm trying to think who was the last one of those. Was it Dre well, Archer? It probably would have been Dre Archer. I think my personal favorite would have been the, the goat Chucky Keaton. Um, <laughs> Chucky Keaton was involved in. So I, that was, I, I was going, I can't even remember what the project was, but I, I was going through a bunch of old games and Chucky Keaton came up so many times. Oh, it was overtime <laughs> games. I was looking at overtime games. And yeah. there were so many Chucky Keaton overtime games that you're right. He was, he was on, and it felt like he played for a hundred years. So I think that that helped too. Yeah. But, I guess you could throw maybe Khalil Mack in the mix there. Yeah. Um, and I remember when Khalil Mack played, I, I think they played at Tennessee and the Tennessee people were like, that was the best player on the field. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. So now I do think you'll still see the NFL and other college teams scouting those teams yes. because they're, they're always on the hunt for, for people who can help them win. So, but, but I do think as a television product, and I, I got into this with the, when I applied for the big 12 commissioner job last week, TV You're back windows. And I, I don't think I'm going to get it. I just, wow. I, the search I firms haven't been calling, but, <laughs> but one of the things I said is, the Big 12 and its next TV deal needs to find a TV window where the Big 12 can be a star. It can be the star of that window. And I think Friday night is probably the more logical one. And I don't know if you need to make it where those games can't emanate from a, a 
a stadium in Texas, you know, maybe you make that rule as, as a, an olive branch to, to Texas high school football, which you could do. I mean, you, you could play the Friday night games at UCF, at Cincinnati, at BYU, you know, at uh, mm-hmm. Kansas State, and, and they'll, they'll do it. They're fine with it. Um, but I do think they need a, a, a window where they're the start. So taking that to its next, next logical step where, where you're talking about, we were talking about, you know, consolidation and the top tier being smaller. Would, would that mean that then, I don't know, Kansas State and Baylor are your Tuesday night game at that point? If the money's right, yeah. It, it's all going to come down to what does ESPN want to pay? How many nights a week do you want to invest? I, I don't know what the max deal is uh, offhand. Uh, it's not substantial. But it's about TV money. You look at those cold max stadiums in November. Andy, there's like 3,000 people in those stadiums. Yeah. No, it's, but they're it's must-watch TV if you're a college football diehard. Or if now, you're a gambler. The, that, that's, that. the other, <laughs> that's the other piece of it. Mm-hmm. Sports gambling is going to be legalized in all 50 states at some yeah. point. Still and, growing and only going to grow more. Right. Once that happens, the demand for live sports every night of the year is going to be huge. So if you have college football product, you could you could just put it on Saturday and, and let it get buried by the other stuff. Or you could put it where everybody's going to watch it because if there's a bunch of people gambling, they're going to watch the game that's on. I do think, Andy, we're making progress, not so much in uh, for gambling reasons, but I think we've seen it in the last few years from Fox's big noon kickoff that people are realizing, hey, maybe don't play nine of the best games of the day in primetime. Like, Amazing. It took, I don't know why it took so long where like everyone's like, you know what? Maybe I don't really want to watch Northwestern and Indiana like fart around at noon, uh, you know, in a, in a weed patch somewhere. Like, the, the- the, the I don't saddest sound, David, is is the audio because you watch the games and and you see the guys on the sidelines holding. It's called a parabolic mic. It's it's a big dish, mm-hmm. the satellite dish that they're yeah that, that yeah. captures the the sound, the ambient sound. The stuff that they would get on the parabolic mic from your noon Northwestern <laughs> at Illinois game. Mm-hmm. was the saddest sounding stuff in the world. It's it's basically telling you to take a nap. Yeah, it is. And now we get Michigan, Michigan State at noon, and Michigan, Ohio State. Well, that's always kind of been at noon. But the big games early, it's it's nice. You can't have – I mean, the SEC has sort of claimed that 330 CBS spot. We'll see you know, what happens in the, the 330 new, uh, ABC spot now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but again, it was, it was infuriating, especially as, as you know – uh, for for the general college football person, not so much if you're locked in on one team because you probably don't care, but if you like the sport at large, it sucked when you'd get to 7.30 p.m. and you're trying to keep track of six games. Like, it's right. terrible. So spreading it out where there's maybe two big games in each window, that's manageable um, as a multi-screen college football consumer myself. So uh, we've gotten there, and I think you're right, Andy. I think we will see it creep into other days of the week, and there will be some TV money there. There'll be some gambling eyes, all of those things. But listen, more nights where we have compelling college football is a that sounds like a great future. Uh, it it, it does. I, I I'm I'm in for that, and I know a lot of people don't want changes. I I actually think the majority of fans would probably be okay with mm-hmm. big game because what it does is it it also increases the level of competition like it's just me big game yeah versus a big name versus big name as opposed to what some of the games are now and i and i and and listen the 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 wednesday night complaints from administrators and campus folks about the parking logistics and it's a nightmare it's gonna suck i feel bad for you but this is not about you this is about tv money and that's what college football has been for what 15 years now maybe longer uh, where that's been the sole well, driving force since the supreme court decision even even when they didn't really yeah. know it yet yeah you're Let's, probably right looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 us based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's let's move on to one of your other amazing stories from this past week. I laugh so hard at <laughs> the horror stories from in-home visits from college coaches where you you got to go eat mom's cooking even if mom is making a uh, traditional Hungarian goose blood dish which As is one what does. one one power 5 head coach had to had to put down or they might own and I quote the Shaquille O'Neal of pit bulls and, and said dog is <laughs> positioned right next to you for the entirety of the visit. A metal eating pit bull. Any- metal, before, yes. Yes. He before eats we, metal. Before we get into this, I feel like I need to clear some coaches names for the record. Okay. Go for it. There's been a lot of amateur detective work. A lot maybe. of speculation. Yes. Trying to identify for those who have read the story, the pooper to be frank. <laughs> The story was almost not included in the collection of tales. I fought for it, Andy. I won that battle. To I am so glad story. you fought for it. And I, I listen, I love our editors, but trust <laughs> us, we know what the people want. I said, I said, and I quote, the internet is going to try to figure out who this pooper is, and it's going to help the story. Andy, I've had multiple people on the internet, but also in person and in via text, and it is not Brick Bielema. Please. No. Clear the good man's name. He did not do this. Has he done this before and did not tell me? I don't know. I can't speak to that. Has it happened in his in his history? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's happened to but all I can of tell us you, at one point I can another. tell you he is not the coach in this story. I can't tell you any more about who it is, but it is not Brett Bielema. This is a power like five head coach, name. sitting power five head coach, who, and I quote, blew up a family's bathroom <laughs> thanks to mom's home cooking. Now, the better part is... The part that I believe didn't make the story. You told me about this. So actually, there was a second incident. So actually, there was a. So we had to. We had to. We had to make it the story slightly less graphic and shorten it. Uh, But I would also like to say one. So the 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 uh, bathroom blowing up was via some uh, questionable chicken salad consumed prior to the visit. But after the visit, he said he was fine. But then on his way out, he had to stop and do it again at a Walgreens. So uh, poor Walgreens. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that was not great. Uh, but uh, I- I'm glad we were able to include the story, even if we could not include all of the cogent details from said story. Well, yeah. I, I Listen, you're going to guess who, who you think it is. It could be anybody. We've all been there. Uh, the, the, one, the one I... Thought about it. you had a power five coordinator who said, and and this has probably happened to every coach too. I had not even thought about this, but that the parents got in a fight, got in an <laughs> argument in the middle of the in-home visit. And he's just trying to recruit the kid and, and mom and dad are yelling at each other. And one of them just storms off and leaves. And it's like, uh, yeah, he said it was very awkward. He's like, you're just kind of sitting there. Just kind of looking around. He's like, there's nothing to really say because the dad like stormed out and the mom had to kind of apologize. And then, you, you know, it was it was an uncomfortable moment. I Listen, it's like when you're a kid and you go over to the sleepover and the parents start fighting and you're like, I don't I'm just going to get somewhere else. But when you're a coach, you can't leave the room. You got to kind of right. Just sit you there. can't call your mom and be like, I, I got a stomach ache. I need to come home. <laughs> <laughs> he he's got to stay because there are rules about how many times you can do in-home visits, how many people mm-hmm. can come. So you're there, you're using your visit. You can't leave. So <laughs> it's, um, I just think recruiting is such a fascinating thing. And I, I think coaches, the one aspect of a coach that 
I think people forget is how how much of a skill it is to be a social chameleon. I don't think mm-hmm. I particularly have that skill, Andy. Maybe you feel like you do. I think you do. I think you're very Maybe. good at talking to people. But going from going from rural East Texas to you know uh, some you know the 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 city of you know Dallas, or you're going mm-hmm. to Oak Cliff, or you're going to wherever, um, and and there's demographics and sociology and socioeconomics yeah. involved in all this, and you're going to go from you know maybe it's a giant house with some jungle cats where the parents are very well <laughs> off, yeah. and maybe it's a small apartment in a rough neighborhood. All these things. And you have to get those people all to sort of like you and trust you and say, hey, you control a lot of the next four years of my son's life, and I'm okay with that. That Mm -hmm. is a tremendous ask. And to do that in a variety of places um, with different races, different socioeconomic statuses, different all kinds of stuff, being able to do that, I think, is the most underrated part of what makes a recruiter great because you have to recruit all kinds of different people and get all kinds of different people to trust you including people whose parents have won Grammys. That's yes. another good one. Now, I, I have many guesses about who, who this is, and, and I know you're not going to tell me, uh, because you know I, I just wrote about uh, Nico Iyama. Iyama Iyamaliyama. I got you. Iyamaliyama. I, got you. I keep you go. going. I keep going Iyam, and then miss it. it's Iyamaliyama. I need it. That is Ia. correct. And, and yeah, we'll get so, there. If we can, if we get DJ Uyunglele, we can get Iamaliava. Yes. We got it. Yes. Nico Iamaliava. Well, he goes to Long Beach Poly and I, I was listing the former or, or all the alums of Long Beach Poly, which is an insane list like Billie Jean King, Chase Utley, Tony Gwynn, uh, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed himself. But at one point at the same time, Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, Warren G and Cameron Diaz were all students. <laughs> And Nate, quite and, Nate a high Dog and Warren G's kids have both played major college football. In fact, Warren G's son was on the Bills practice squad last year, I believe. But Sounds he, like he a lot of regulating was happening. Eli- oh, yeah, Elijah Griffin, he, he played at USC. Uh, so I, I'm, I don't know who this is, but they didn't. The, the Grammy was a little tarnished and on the bottom shelf. And apparently the next visit, the Grammy had been shined up and moved to the top shelf. I think so, the coach, he didn't specifically tell me this, but I think he may have strongly insinuated that he did not approve of that treatment of the Grammy. <laughs> and the next time he came, the family made sure that, well, uh, so that the now, now you have to all watch the episode of the Simpsons where, uh, where Homer joins a barbershop quartet and they, <laughs> they, they win a Grammy thanks to the song baby on board. And then Homer, I can't remember why he, he tosses the, or he's trying to get rid of the Grammy or use it for something. And, uh, you know, the the pimple-faced high school kid who's always the menial employee at, at various things. He goes, oh, it's just a Grammy. And he throws it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was really, though, that was probably the most fun story to report out that I think I really have ever done. Um, because it's just some incredible stories. And there there were a few that didn't make the cut. None that, none that I fought for. Um, we tried to keep it as lean as possible. Um, and keep the only the best stories, but there are some great stories. There's a lot of food stories, some raccoon stew, some squirrel kebabs that didn't make the story. Um, squirrel you know, kebabs, yeah. Wow, sure, you're bringing the up coach the skewers said, with your squirrel. Well, one of the reasons why I did not include that story is because the coach didn't actually eat it. They served it family style, and then they informed him these are squirrel kebabs, and he was kind of like, "I'm gonna have to pass." See, that's politely. the difference between me and some of these guys, like. You tell me there's squirrel kebabs on the table. I'm absolutely going to try them. I probably I would try know. it. I think the most exotic meat I've ever eaten is kangaroo. I've never had the the roadkill aspect of it. I've never had the possum, uh, which one coach did actually get served possum. Really? Never had the possum, the raccoon, the squirrel. I, I Admittedly, I'd be curious to try it. Those would be white meats, no? They would not be red meats? I, yeah, I, I believe I've had squirrel. It's Well, th- there's not a lot of meat on a squirrel. First of all, well, there you so go. you might have to do it in kebab form. That might be the the only or or, or make it into a stew. Perhaps I'm sure but, gator's not that exotic from down where you are, especially. I've no, they have it. It's an appetizer times. at pretty much every restaurant. So yeah, and then of course you have. Uh, uh, are we going to count squab as an exotic meat? I don't know. It's not. I I've had like it any, once. It's not very. Any good. sort of poultry fowl is not that exotic. I think you're probably right. Um, so I. I if, if given the opportunity to try a roadkill meat that humans normally, I would have some questions about the acquisition of said meat. Um, if it was actual <laughs> roadkill, I might well, have that's some a, pause. 
I I remember I in college I, I dated a girl who was made had a major in the ag school and they had a live a, a wild game dinner and you just you buy tickets to the wild game dinner and and they would serve you know venison and they'd serve duck and uh I think boar, wild boar mm-hmm. well there was some duck there and it was delicious and i asked the guy like what kind of duck is this he's like it's like you know those ducks that hiss the muscovy ducks I, I don't like, think I know what that is. They they have like white heads and they have red around their eyes and they don't quack, they hiss. And I think I just learned about a new animal. There's today. a ton of them in Gainesville and okay. and not necessarily in places like there's a bunch by TJ Maxx and there's a bunch <laughs> at the time there was a bunch that lived around an apartment complex called Town Park. And the guy goes, "Yeah, I just I just went out and got them from the apartment complex." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> See, I want to know if I'm being served this roadkill, am I going to have to be picking buckshot out of my teeth while I'm eating it? Because if that's the case, then I'm not so sure. I don't think he used a gun. Well, now I have more questions. (laughs) I believe he told me he used a baseball bat. Well, that's not great. Although I guess if he's dying quickly and people are... Slaughtering animal is slaughtering animal. And yeah, it was was one of those like, well, when in Rome... (laughs) We're here. Bottoms up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was 19 years old at the time, so I was just like, okay, so, sounds is that's that's something y'all do, okay? So, we, I, I'm sad we can't get 19 year old Andy on the podcast. I feel like he'd be a tremendous podcast. 19 year old Andy was such an idiot. I mean, <laughs> as dumb as I am now, imagine me so much dumber without any life experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Completely, not completely sheltered growing up, but but pretty sheltered growing up like i have always said any my wife and i were talking about this the other day i was like you know if at any point you can look back on yourself two or three years earlier and not think that guy is an idiot you're probably not growing so i don't i don't really feel a lot of i think about some of the things that i thought and did and said when i was in eighth grade 12th grade 22 23 you know i'm 34 now and i'm like i i am it's rough it's not great. Just didn't know anything about anything. But I feel like that's a sign that, hey, you know, if I felt like that guy, that 22-year-old David, he had it all together. Well, you're, 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 I hope you didn't. Because well, that's when, I, when, I, meet did, these, when I meet these college players that, that are, you know, they're getting straight A's in school. They're excelling on the football field. They're starting a foundation off the field. I'm like, how? How do you do all this? There's no way I could have done half of this. It's so, a good question. Well, but I'll tell you what I'm really thankful for, because you talk about, you know, 15-year-old David and 15-year-old Andy. Thank God Twitter didn't exist. Dude, just – I – listen, I, we – Andy, we are, we are turning the page into parenthood in this household. So uh, we have uh, – our baby girl is coming in uh, a month and a half, I believe. And Andy, I don't even know what elementary school, middle school, junior high, I'm shuddering to think about high school. Like, it just the experience is just so different. Even now, you talk, I talked to a, a, a high school teacher just talking about the, uh, as a friend of ours, just talking about the environment in a high school oh, yeah. now. It's unrecognizable to the way that, that we grew up. And I, I feel like an old well, man. I, I've got a middle schooler right and, and one that's finishing <laughs> elementary school about to go to middle school. And it's the world is a very different place. And mm-hmm. I, I've I, like, I get questions every day. When can I become a YouTuber? Like oh, not man. now. Like, <laughs> the internet is forever. Not now. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like uh, that, uh, the Nate Bargatze bit where his wife, he was talking about, uh, we have a daughter. Are you familiar with Nate Bargatze, Andy? No. You should, first of all. Okay. He's hilarious. One of the funniest people in comedy right now. But he has a bit, I think it's on his latest special, where he was talking about uh, my daughter, you know, she just wants to be a YouTuber, which as a comedian makes me furious. But he was like, <laughs> he, 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 he's like, she has all these videos that are on my phone. And she's like, hey, uh, like and subscribe. He's like, the only subscribers are me and my me and her mom because all these videos just exist on my phone. And uh, I feel like this is... The the influencer YouTuber I feel like is the new astronaut NBA player, which that feels like a concerning uh, development in American society. This has gotten a real deep podcast now. Yeah, well, yeah. I, 
because you what are you actually aspiring to are you fame is the although the issue listen if we really boil it down because let's, let's let's think about most of these people who mm -hmm. are influencers they're mostly good-looking people mm -hmm. good-looking people have been getting a pass since there have been humans this is true like that hasn't changed You've been able to kind of slide through on, on, on your looks for the most part since humans have existed. So there's that. Now, if you're good looking and also funny, those people have always been successful as well. <laughs> so It's a good combo. So I, I don't know that, that, that much has changed other than the delivery method. Yeah, you're maybe right about that. I think we'll... I just think we'll see. It's been interesting to see the evolution of some of the early YouTube stars who kind of figure out what they're doing and do something else and, and, and what that looks like. What are Will Greer's brothers doing right now? That's, that's what I want to know. It's a good question. It's a good question. But I never really, I mean, YouTube, you know, I kind of get it. Some of the other, like the major YouTube stars when I was in like college or, uh, you know, young adulthood, I didn't really understand, which made me feel very, very old. Um, did your kids like the the weird Fred kid with the with the super high pitched voice? No, they don't. They, there's a British guy named Morgs that that they'll watch. And and there's all these people him. that are so famous that I've never heard of before. For a and while, that, they, that is they a rough look. For they me. don't do this anymore, and I can't I can't even remember the people's names. But basically, these are people who would who would play Minecraft on mm -hmm. YouTube and show you how to do different things in Minecraft on YouTube. And it was like a, a husband and wife, and they had millions of subscribers Andy, when millions. we were kids we just just go to the video game store and buy the guidebook or buy or order it off of nintendo power game Magazine. pro i had a game <laughs> pro subscription yeah. yeah but so but these people i mean if you embed ad that when you monetize a youtube account that has millions of subscribers you are making it's a ton great of money. money so mm -hmm. it's basically this i the guy's name was preston i i can't remember his wife's name they were just all they did is yell into the camera about some would argue that's what we do andy that that is what we do but we're not as good at it apparently as them because i oh by the way this is where i tell you like and subscribe our, our we are to our youtube channel smash andy that Staples subscribe button y'all smash 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 also Leave a comment like and subscribe to the podcast itself we we do want you subscribing to this podcast uh please leave a five-star review tell us you hate us after you leave a five-star review yeah that's fair enough i'm fine but yes that's a good arrangement but, but these people, like, I don't get it, but my kids would watch it for hours. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's sort of like the whole, you know, your your parents are, are out of touch that you feel like when you're growing up. And I don't know that there, I think, I think we talk ourselves into, well, I'll, I'll understand more when nope. I'm older. And I, I think there's no way to avoid this. I think just, no, I am, I am not cool. I do not understand <laughs> what the the appeal of tiktok is i do not understand like okay instagram i get it like you are putting out cool photos uh mm -hmm. or or a short video but why does there have to be an instagram story and instagram reels who cares what's why do why do you need three different places for that in the same the same app i'm not even on instagram andy my dog's on instagram but i am not oh well that's that's the way to do yeah. it <laughs> I, I was told last week I need to increase my Instagram presence. But I, what am I going to I'm going to take pictures of myself? Yeah. Nobody wants to look at pictures of me. Andy Staples thirst traps coming up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I could send the, the big nasty burger that I ate in Knoxville on Friday night. That's a beautiful thing. So It is. Andy, you were just, living right in Knoxville this weekend. Oh, Moonshine Mountain Cookies. That was. Oh, those are those are unbelievable, by the way. They're so good. Which ones did you get? So I had the peanut butter okay. and white chocolate one. I had the raspberry and white chocolate. And there was one more. I think it was lemon blueberry. Mm -hmm. And I originally wanted the, the quadruple chocolate, but they, they actually were out. And he said it was very close to closing time. He said those take 30 minutes to set up so they can't just bake more, um, mm -hmm. which I really do appreciate the art of 30 minutes to set up. Because these, these are I, – I like a thick, chewy cookie. And these things are about, they're about an inch high at the highest point. Mm -hmm. And the, you, you don't cook them all the way in the oven. You, you pull them out and you let them set up for, for they're 10, unbelievable. 15 minutes. And they're they probably are, my favorite cookie oh, in town. It is great. 
but I did not get a chance to go to Buttermilk Sky Pie, but that's another place in Knoxville. I highly recommend the I-40 Pie, mm-hmm. which is uh, chocolate chips and coconut and a bunch of other stuff. Eddie, we are, we are uh, careening into football and grits food territory, but I need to tell you about this place. Okay. So my wife and I did a little kind of weekend anniversary trip to Atlanta a few weeks ago. And we stumbled upon this guy. I, I need to Google it right now. I can't remember what the name of it was. But he runs a, I'm going to call it a black market bake shop in the basement of a subway. Okay. And <laughs> we did not realize this because he had a, like a kind of a normal looking website. Um, but it's just like one guy in this bakery. And like it's in the, it literally is a very like sort of kind of sketchy setup. But he basically makes these giant cookies so we had one, I forget what it was included, but it was uh, a cookie with a blondie baked inside of it. What? Uh, and he has all these things uh, hooked up. Let me. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to find this guy uh, while we're while we're here uh, doing this. But this, oh, this guy sounds is amazing. unbelievable. It's like a. It's his just his name. It's like oh, it's Shane. Shane. Uh, Shane. Not the Shane Company. That's that's a jewelry store. Yes. I'm looking this up right now. Sugar Shane, Andy. Sugar Shane's Sugar cookie Shane. Shop. Not Sugar Shane Mosley. Sugar Shane's Cookie Shop. This is the name. He has a very nice website, but it is a it is operated out of what is essentially the basement <laughs> of a subway. And it is unbelievable, Andy. Uh, it is one of the greatest. Uh, oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at the, these cookies. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow and he has he includes uh microwave dis, uh microwave uh instructions, instructions. to get them the, to the, the late perfect night amount Oreo. of melting. i i i don't even know what this how this is even possible this thing is yes. massive so i believe my wife and i got a we got a s'mores and we got a i forget what the other one was called because he rotates them quite a bit um but it did have a blondie inside of it but man andy it was unbelievable uh one of the better desserts that i have ever tasted uh in my life and just outstanding all around well we're we're definitely gonna have that <laughs> uh, I, next time i'm in atlanta sugar shane i'm sugar I, shane's I'm going out your way go down the uh, back of the basement of the subway <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Getting back to our discussion of, of YouTubers and, yes. and YouTube stars, uh, you did a story on some folks who are, are a little more conventional comedians, mm-hmm. but have found their place on YouTube, uh, the SEC Shorts folks. And, and for those who have not had the pleasure, I'm going to play you just a, a short piece of my favorite SEC Shorts clip. Uh, this is the Auburn roller coaster. Thank you for riding the Auburn Fan Experience. Doors are up on your left. Please follow us on to the exit. Enjoy the rest of your stay at SEC World. What was that? Three and nine? We were just two years removed from the national championship. Let's get out of here. Wait. There's still no one else in that line. So? You want to do that again? No. I don't want to go through that again. But that first ride through was incredible. And maybe, just maybe, it can be like that again. That was pretty incredible. A few facility upgrades and coaching change. Yeah. So the joke is that they, they've gotten on the roller coaster at SEC World, the Auburn fan experience. <laughs> the 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 ride requires you to press a button and the first time they press it, they get 2010 and the greatest ride of their life. And <laughs> what you came in on was them coming off 2012 because they decided to ride it a second time. <laughs> but that, it, I mean, if that does not describe the Auburn fan experience, I don't know what does pretty much. Uh, I think we have some episodes in the last five months, uh, that, uh, that would be, uh, 
another impressive ride in the Auburn fan experience. Uh, quite an off season they've had, Andy. Um, but yeah, the SC Shorts guys, uh, Josh Need, Robert Clay, are sort of the the main two figures. Um, they have some actors that they've hired, but they their story is really interesting, Andy. And we wrote about it. Um, just they were working jobs they hated, editing medical lectures with really oh, gross. God, that sounds yeah. Awful. That's they just sat in a dark thing and edited medical lectures with gross pictures and just people oh you know, they're, like, they're like working on cadavers while they're talking and stuff no it, i think it's just like you know a hundred ben steins talking within oh, like gross pictures except on top with of it. pimples or cancer yeah or, yeah, yes. yeah exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, gotcha. so they're okay. doing that all day and just oh. hated that job and then uh long story short right after the sec network launched they were like how do we get on this and paul feinbaum puts out a call for fan rants. And I think he was thinking, you know, they would might, they maybe get like, you know, the, the stereotypical fine bomb caller, but right. With, just turn their and they, phone on and they did get a lot of yell, that, yeah. but they were like, well, well, let's just make like a sketch. Cause they'd done a couple things in the past. They did a Gene Chizik video. They did a kick six video. Cause they're both, you know, uh, Robert is, he went to film school and he's pretty classically trained and, uh, and Josh uh, went to Montevallo and, and has some acting background and, and some other things to the star of that particular video. Um, and they're like, let's just make a video and see what happens. And the, the, the fine bomb loved it. Uh, their producers, Mark Kubiak and, and John Hayes, who now works with us, uh, were big fans. And they ended up doing an episode, like a sketch a week for free for fine bomb for that year. And then they sort of, kept on doing it and kept on doing it. And now they have their own thing. And uh, they got a live show in Athens this weekend. Like it's just, they've kind of been on this, this ride of their own sort of Auburn fan experience. And, and, you know, they've gone from working a job they hated to being sort of small business owners and minor Southern celebrities, Andy. And it's, yeah. it, it, I think they, the one thing, you know, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, one of my main considerations was I don't want to wake up every day and hate, the idea of going to work. I want to look forward to going to work. And I think they had some of that in them as well. And I think it's cool to see them be able to live that out and um, just not sort of hate their lives, which we talked to them about in the story that for a lot of that period early on, 10 something years ago, they kind of did. And so it's cool to see them where they are now and, and, uh, and, and have this sort of life that they built themselves. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And, and, they just they get the people that they're lampooning, and and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because it's one of those. It, it, this is a tough line to straddle when you're trying to make people laugh. Where yes, people can laugh at these people, like let, you're laughing at the Auburn fan, but you know who finds that even funnier? The Auburn fans themselves. Yeah, they, they did like, say that the Auburn fans like the us. roller coaster video. They uh, they did say Auburn fans can be a little bit uh, of their a little touchy, least, a little touchy. But they said that the fans that they thought uh, are the most willing to make fun of themselves, Andy, Tennessee fans, really, yeah, would not have expected yeah. that. But yeah, but they but they they come at it from a we're also one of you. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And I feel well, like because they are more... they they live in Birmingham right now and and. Yeah. Uh, uh, Robert, who is usually behind the camera, but he's appeared in some of the videos. You know, he's a full-on dyed-in-the-wool Auburn fan. Uh, Josh kind of bounced around when he was a kid and and tried to like both Auburn and Alabama and then was told that that was – I know. I go into this in the story. was told that is not acceptable. Uh, And so uh, his basketball coach at the time made him choose, and Alabama won the national championship that year. So So he's now an an Alabama fan, and and this is a point of contention because Robert makes fun of him for being a stereotypical Alabama fan who does not have an Alabama degree uh, and is literally a fan because of some T-shirts that he bought. (laughs) T-shirt fan, yes, right. So the the – the work they did on on Georgia and because that 1980 joke was so old and so tired, but the work they did as Georgia went to the national title, just sort of picking at the anxiety of Georgia fans was tremendous. So I have one more clip of theirs to play, and I, I hope they don't mind. I, I it's just I, I love this stuff so much, and and please by all means go to the SEC Shorts YouTube channel. And and watch all you will you will whether you're an SEC fan or you hate SEC fans and want to laugh at them, you will enjoy this. So this is between the SEC championship game and the Orange Bowl. So Georgia has just lost to Alabama, is about to play Michigan. There's a recurring character in the Georgia universe of SEC shorts. Her name is Hope, 
and uh, Hope and and the Georgia fan base are in therapy, and it is uh, it's tremendous. He's going to Miami for the semifinals, and he said I can't go with him. No, no, I technically said I'll never take you anywhere with me ever again for as long as my lungs draw breath, you soul-draining succubus. Okay, Georgia, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, I'd like to try an exercise with both of you. Could you each share one thing that you appreciate about the other? Hope, why don't you go first? Okay, well... I appreciate that he has the number three ranked recruiting class in the nation. That's a pretty big deal. Great. Georgia? I appreciate the fact that she wants to be by my side in Miami for the Michigan game. So that she can put my heart in a meat grinder after she somehow makes us blow it despite being seven and a half point favorites on national television for the entire world to see. Okay, Alabama threw 365 passing yards in the first half. So maybe you should try, I don't know, guarding all conference receivers when they run deep post routes. Okay, Hope, remember, we want to avoid going to problem solving when the other person is sharing their feelings. This is so stupid. Do you know how many teams would love to have me? I mean, I have three missed calls from Florida alone since we've been in this session. See, that's the best. They can get the shot in at Florida <laughs> while just skewering Georgia. It's it's tremendous. Yes, and uh, I'm sure the uh, uh, reunited there at the end of the season. Uh, with well, the Hope moves Capitalism. on. There's an, the, the, one of the more recent episodes, Hope, uh, Hope moves on because Georgia doesn't need her anymore. Yep. There you go. Uh, but yeah, they have a great story, Andy. Uh, I was glad to tell it. Um, Robert told me that his mom is going to print out the computer screen. Um, yes. <laughs> version of the athletic article and frame it for him. So uh, we're that, looking that forward is, to it. That is, has been one of the more difficult things for me since moving to the athletic is, is when, when mom and dad want to copy. <laughs> Now I've I, I've gotten good at making really nice looking PDFs for, for mom and dad, but that's you know before the old job it was easier if there's a magazine you can just send it to them, but mm -hmm. yeah you got you got to figure out how to make them the nice I, I need a laminating machine so I can l make laminated copies of the stories and then mail them out. Put it on your Christmas list, Andy. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, I mean that's we'll put it in my next negotiation. Like laminate, <laughs> what's this for? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll we're, talk we're about winning that. hearts and minds one at a time. That's why we got the laminating machine. Exactly, exactly. So, well, I listen, David. You you've been on fire, and uh, you've been just just like Detlef and and Sean Kemp. <laughs> one of you is on fire. One of you is goaltending, and you're unstoppable. Thank you so much for coming on and and. and talking about this stuff and thank you for writing all these stories because this is the off season, man is we need stuff to make us laugh, to make us think about this stuff. And this is absolutely great that we're getting this now in, in the dead of April. Just imagine how good it's going to be once the season starts. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think Andy, after 2020, I will never feel the desert of the off season ever again. No. Uh, where the off season goes down so much smoother when you know that it's going to end. Yes. And considering that we have all lived through what we thought might be an endless off season. Uh, April, man, it feels like the college football season is right around the corner because I know it's there. And uh, uh, I can never take that for granted again. The rest no, of my life. And, and so I, I won't. I, I remember when Nicole Auerbach and I were doing the story on in-home workouts that, that the mm -hmm. strength coaches were sending to the players and like, I'm pushing my truck and Nicole's <laughs> like curling wine bottles. <laughs> like, like this is, this is a, this is a fun story, but is this the end? Is this the last fun story? Will there never be a fun story again? So yes, I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm so happy that this, this feels I last year felt pretty normal, but this feels even more normal. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am so excited about this, this coming season. We've got spring games. We got a lot more to talk about. We've got the draft coming up too. We've got stars matter on Thursday, on Friday, the athletics draft expert, Dane Brugler will join us. We're going to talk about all the, the things that have changed to the, 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 the guys that are the risers. Dane wrote you a book. It's called <laughs> the beast. 
It's unbelievable. Like he's, it, it, he's the best. If you haven't accessed it before, if you haven't accessed it before, like it's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, the the draft nicks out there. Uh, this is made for you. Yes. Dane is one of you. Yes. So we're gonna talk talk to Dane on Friday. We'll we'll go. We won't go through the whole beast because that would be a sixteen hour show. But we will talk about some of the guys that that have made the move here in the last few weeks that that are that are shooting up the draft boards. And we just got a lot more going. I got a I got a very special guest next week, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback. Uh, we talked to him in Knoxville and got a story coming out on him. You're going to get to hear from him. Uh, one of the great stories in college football last year. So mm-hmm. a lot coming up on the Andy Staple Show. David Ubbin, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it, Andy. Andy.